Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. reliving our Hawaii experience or what? Kind of. I guess we just got back from our Wyoming adventure and I'm just in a vacation-y mood. Oh, I see. That was an awesome vacation. Oh, it was, wasn't oh, it? Oh my gosh. The horses, the mountains. riding, under the Grand Tetons, the seeing bison. Wow. Fossil hunting. I mean, oh, heaven's sakes. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Lots of good memories. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Vacation is a special time. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I just want to have that vacation attitude all the time. Oh, yeah. Isn't there a bumper sticker like that? Was there? There should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'm on vacation all the time. All the time. Which I feel like in some ways has a real snobbiness to it. I mean, how many of us can be on vacation all the time? In fact, for some of us, vacations just aren't even possible. You know... That's funny. It reminds me of, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Okay. Being in Florida at one point and I was shopping. Do you remember? We, yeah, we I totally told this remember already. this. No. We walked into that boutique clothing shop and yeah. there was that girl that was just paying and she had a big purchase. And I remember the woman who worked at the sh- store was trying to be friendly and she's like, so, you know, what, what do you do for work? And she said, I don't work. <laughs> As in, how could you assume that I would ever Oh, yes, the tone of her voice. It was very oh, clearly spoke yeah. that you are of a lower caste. I remember kind me. of exchanging a look with the poor sales cashier who was thinking, I was just trying to be friendly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you could have the attitude, the feeling that you have when you're on vacation, but actually have it in everyday life? And I think that is entirely possible. You do? Yeah, I do. You just need to get a Hawaiian shirt and uh, an ukulele? And start playing and do, 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 eat do, bananas, do. baby. Oh, I'd rather have pineapple. Pineapple? Maybe. Actually, mangoes sound really good. Oh, those mangoes off the tree. Uh, ah. Actually, avocados. Really? Do you remember the avocados from next door? Oh, okay. You see how easy it is to dream about things that we don't have? Because the things that we have in life these things have all become into the category of normal, often mm. doldrums, Boring. just the same old, yeah. Same, same, same. The same old, same old. But if there's one thing we have learned from rewilding our minds, from studying mindfulness, it's that that has a lot to do with our mental attitude and a lot less to do with what we're actually experiencing around us. That is so true. You can train your brain. Even the Dalai Lama says so. Yeah, well, especially him. Boy, he wants us all to train our brains. Which we do all the time, even though we don't realize it. No matter what we do, whatever choice we're having, uh, a response to what we're perceiving, how we perceive things, those are all training our brain, whether we think we are or we aren't. 
we are training our brain. I remember telling this to the forest monks and it's kind of, in some ways it's empowering, in some ways people just do not like to hear it. And that's that in every moment you are actively training your body and your mind. So when I sit in a chair, I'm training myself how to sit in a chair. My muscles and my physiology is adapting to that. When I'm climbing a tree, it's doing that. And then we have to step back and look, how am I training my mind? And we spend a lot of time training our mind often into just having things be on autopilot, having life feel normal, the same old day after oh, day after It's a little day. bit like potty training, if I might say. Ooh, do tell. Yeah. In that I almost feel as though we train our brains to not notice things. As we train... Explain how this references potty, because this right, is great. I'm just about to say that. As we train our children to ignore the signs of going to the bathroom. You know, me, I'm big on the elimination communication, which is essentially not training your child. It's not potty training. It's saying, hey, you notice something's happening with your body. I notice it too. That's a normal thing. And this is what you do when you experience that. Yeah. And of course, both our girls were out of diapers by the time they were a year and a half old, which was great. But they also had this awareness. And I think that we do that with our brains. We just train our brains to kind of blur over things, not notice stuff, not notice the signs that life is giving us the way that when you're little, you eventually ignore the sensations of having to go to the bathroom. And now we're in the predicament that we need to retrain our brains to notice things. One of the reasons this happens is because we humans, our superpower maybe as a species is adaptation. We are very good at adapting to almost anything. So the baby can adapt to the feeling of pee and poop surrounding its bottom, even though naturally this is not pleasant for a child it's something they can adapt to and learn to deal with. And then they adapt to it so well that it's hard to train them out of it because the things that we adapt to, even if at first or intrinsically, they're sort of not so great for us. After they become normal, they can become comfortable. Well, of course, pee is warm. So when you're cold, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> are, but... you, are you referencing when I peed on my feet? <laughs> hey, you've got to use your tools. That's right. And if you can be aware and use your tools for the right way in the right circumstance, then you're all good. <laughs> no, I think what happens then is that life does become dull. It becomes monotonous. It becomes usual. And that's where a vacation is so awesome. Uh, but why are vacations so awesome? Well... There's all this novelty. Okay, and I have to jump in and say, we're talking about a good vacation here because some vacations can definitely go completely awry (laughs) and be memorable because they were the most awful vacation. I'm talking about a really good vacation. What (laughs) makes a good vacation such a good thing? I think a big part of it is that we are stepping out of our regular life and we're getting to experience a lot of novelty. Mm. Our brain loves novelty. It loves new things. And we've been taught as a culture that the only way we're going to get novelty is through the next shiniest, brightest thing. Vacations, like movies, kind of cater to that. So when I go on a vacation, there's all these new environments, there's new people, there's new foods, there's all these new experiences. And so our brain automatically, without any real training necessary, 
goes into, wow, look at me, I'm experiencing the world mode. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't 100%. We can bring our baggage along with us, our mental baggage, True. on even on a vacation. But it certainly becomes easier when we change our environment through the action of having a vacation to experience more of that novelty sense. Mm-hmm. And then a real feeling of being an explorer or an adventurer in life. And I'm going to argue that going on vacation switches us over to a different way of participating in the world. Agreed. That for some odd reason we think we can't have when we go back home to our normal life. And that's one thing that I don't think we do is step out of our life and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And when when we go on a vacation, incidentally, we can sometimes just go have fun and then go back to our regular life. Mm-hmm. But the vacation offers this opportunity to, as you said, step out of our normal life and to look at it from an outside perspective. What does my life look like? The way I'm living my life, is it very fulfilling? Is it optimized? Or am I just kind of plowing through each day? And it's just a great opportunity to do that. Well, I think that if there was one thing to optimize, it wouldn't be our vacations. It would be our normal day-to-day life. That makes a lot of sense. It's There's all kinds of things that we try to optimize in our lives. Our bank accounts are a good prime example. Mm-hmm. We Social media. Social media. We try really hard to get promoted at work. There's often these things that we have been taught are really important to optimize, but those things don't bring real joy often. Mm-hmm. If we concentrate on optimizing the basis of our life, how, how we function in life at a base level, that is the best life investment we can probably make. You know, I think this really brings up systems. Yeah. We, we've got to understand systems and how they operate and what that concept is to go any further. Yeah. Well, I think if we would look carefully, we would see that we set up systems for ourselves all the time. And most of the time, just as we were talking about noticing the world or being on autopilot, our systems pretty much get set up and then they become ignored. And what we mean by systems is the way in which we perceive something, encounter it, and then react or respond to it. I really like that, encounter it. Let's give a an example. An actual example would be all of us probably have a system around eating. Mm-hmm. So my system may be that I, you know, I get these foods from the grocery store. I try to buy generally healthy foods and I like to cook. So I sit down and I cook stuff. Now, when I set up that system, I probably did it in a way that I wanted to optimize it. So when I first started thinking about how I'm going to arrange food in my life, I thought, oh, I want to eat really healthy. We'll have periods when we relook at systems. Okay, It might be the new year. And I say, I'm going to change how I look at food. I'm going to buy only organic. I'm going to buy as much local as I can. And I'm really going to experiment with different cultural variations of food. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to really go for the cooking. But then, over time, well... Life happens. 
life happens. I... What do we mean by that? We mean we start to ignore examining and being aware of our systems and our perceptions and the way we encounter the world. Yeah. We fall back into, I guess I would call it mediocrity, where when you first make a new system, you have highs, you have lows, it's novel, maybe there's something you're struggling with. Ooh, I didn't see that in the winter. It's going to be really hard to be local because I have no farmers that are growing food when there's snow on the ground so that's kind of a low but you have these highs of wow i feel super great i feel good supporting all of this you know things i believe in but after a while the lows you kind of decide i don't want to deal with that anymore so maybe you start ignoring it you say well i'll do local later and the highs kind of tend to go away because you've been experiencing it over and over it's no longer novel and suddenly we're back to square one, which is life is sort of all just the same, all just dull, all just monotonous. Same system. This is how I eat my food. Whether we're looking at a government system or our own life systems, this is a generalized rule of what happens to a system when it's just kind of left alone. I create that system around eating. And as you said, the, the top stuff, all that energy I was going to put into different cultural foods, that starts to whittle down over time because I just don't have time or I don't have the inspiration anymore. So I start to just cook the same meals over and over. The bottoms, the, the dips we notice because when I just decide I'm only going to eat Snickers bars for dinner, I feel really crappy and I say, oh, I've got to get rid of those bottoms. Mm -hmm. So the tops and the bottoms shaved off and systems get to the point where they function Mm -hmm. they, they work, but they're not optimized. Yeah, and sometimes we put ourselves into a system that is really challenging, but we're, again, adaptable. We can get used to a baseline of a lot of stress, a lot of tension, a lot of work, and we might take on a workload that really isn't very healthy for us. Someone might say that's not an optimized system, but it is optimized because we don't want to deal with the opposite side, which is maybe, let's say, disappointing our parents because they wanted us to be a doctor. So we're going to just plow through medical school, even though it is sucking the life out of us. It is easier to do that hard work to suffer than it is to disappoint our parents. So sometimes we choose systems that aren't really very functional because we're afraid of <laughs> the the even the larger monster of what we have to do if we don't do that system. And what you're hinting at there is that we've got our upper systems, our kind of superficial ones, how I decide what I'm going to decide to eat, you know, how I'm going to cook. But there's underlying systems. And the one that we really want to focus on that's relevant to this whole idea of a vacation mindset mm -hmm. is the basic system of how we relate to the world around us. Mm -hmm. So what's our basic relationship with the world. And I feel like that's something we don't actually examine and is a great place when you do go on vacation to step back and ask yourself that question because you're actually not really in that system at that moment. I mean, wouldn't it be great to get to the point where a vacation sounds great, but regular life kind of feels like we're on vacation anyway. Oh so <laughs> maybe it's just a change of scenery, but it isn't a change of a foundational way of interacting with the world. So what, how, where do we go? What do we do? Well, with when we're talking about mindfulness, when we're talking about rewilding our minds, 
when we look at this base relationship, how we relate to the world, there's kind of two ways we can relate to the world. The one is we see the world, we perceive it as sameness. Mm. The other is that we perceive it in its change, in its novelty, in its mm. shifting. And how this works in a practical sense is I look at my daughter and that's Liliana. I've seen her a thousand thousand times. My mind puts a label onto her and kind of automatically gravitates towards an autopilot perception of mm. her. Yeah. So it puts the name on, it puts the label, there she is. Done. The other one is seeing her through the eyes of novelty. So I see her in a truer way, in a more correct way, if I see that she is always shifting. The quote Liliana, that label, doesn't apply to her in the same way it did even 10 seconds ago. Mm -hmm. She looks different. Her expressions have changed. The light is playing off of her different. Her emotions, her actions, everything is probably different than it was 10 seconds ago. But when I see her just as the label, when I see through the eyes of sameness, I don't perceive those changes unless they're very dramatic. So the world starts to look just like a big, bland sameness. Mm -hmm. Is it Heracles that said you can't step into the same river twice? It may have been. I, yes. I can't remember who it was, but it's sort of applicable. Us and our quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we and her quotes. Oh, gosh, let's not get started. Oh, my God. You heaven. know, listeners who are in other countries are going to tell us whether it's us or we, because often you are better speakers oh, of our yeah. own language than we are. We don't know how to are. speak English. We speak some kind of other slang. <laughs> <laughs> but it does apply here. Life is really never the same. And we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. But how do we actually take that into our lives, especially with a brain that's designed kind of to label things and make things, well, to make things safe for us. That's what that autopilot brain is sort of doing in our life. Only it was built a long time ago when our life was structured completely differently, when there were kind of, I don't want to say more real threats, but nowadays, well, since the brain can't tell the difference between a real stressor and an imagined stressor, oh my gosh, we have all sorts of things that we worry about today, <laughs> which is very different from what well, we were talking about this. Yeah. Very different from the experience that forest monks would have once they'd been out in the woods for a while. So it's likely that our mind is full of this. Our brain you know, grew up ancestrally in nature. And so it evolved to deal with that sort of a situation. When you talk about the forest monks there, the forest monks would tell you that in general, life in nature is super cool, zen, relaxed. It's all pretty chill. And then there's a thunderstorm, an immediate threat. And then the thunderstorm's over and everything is cool and relaxed again. And then a black bear charges you. Ah! And then that's over in 10 seconds mm -hmm. and you're back to your cool, chill, zenness again. So that's how our mind likely evolved, our brain evolved rather, to respond to acute threats. Yeah, the warning. Boop, 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 danger, danger. But now in our modern culture, 
everything that we 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 story tell all the time it's called oh, yeah. ruminating and the brain perceives that as woo, woo, danger 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 and then maybe okay you have a sip of coffee oh that's good that's the first sip of coffee in the morning oh, brain settles down and you think oh my gosh look look at the time i'm late for work boop boop danger danger <laughs> all day long when you lay down at night what are you thinking about oh my gosh tomorrow at work i've got to give that presentation oh did i get that part right boop boop danger 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 every single day <laughs> and so a possibility here is that with our brain going danger 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 constantly that's why the autopilotness is so prevalent in our society because our brain says whoa whoa there's bears constantly charging <laughs> we've got to just learn to adapt to relax even in this dangerous environment mm -hmm. so let's just shut down a lot of these perceptions we've got to shut stuff down yeah here. so basically if it's not the standard american diet of flashy bigger better faster stronger more 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 our brain isn't going to pay attention to it no. but then we get the negative side effect that everything kind of seems dull and boring what's the meaning what's the purpose doing the same old and as a culture, we kind of get caught then into a vicious cycle. As you can see there, probably what's happening is that our mind is shutting down and then the things that we perceive seem boring. So we have to create more stimulation <laughs> to give us that feeling of wow. And then our brain gets used to that. Yeah. And then we have to create more stimulation. And that's what people find with, so for instance, porn, people go to that, it gives them big stimulation, but then after a while, that doesn't give them stimulation anymore. And then what else is there beyond that? We experience that with movies. If we watch movies all the time, wow, Transformers was awesome. And then Transformers 2 and 3 and whoa, okay, this is kind of not as cool as it was in the beginning <laughs> but what <laughs> how can we just get bigger and better wow <laughs> so we're left with I guess a couple choices which would be a we could change our environment or b we could train our minds yeah that's kind of what we're stuck with and as we look at our life well there's probably ways to do both of those. We, we know there are. And the environment, that can be a tough one for people because our culture is very good at trapping us into mm. a certain environment. Yeah. So we get up in the morning, we've got to rush off to work. We can't really go exploring on the way to work. We have to get there. And then the work environment is usually created in such a way that it doesn't have a lot of distractions, AKA it's the same every day. <laughs> and then we come home and often as soon as we get home, our mind is so feeling from work that we try to give it something. Often we say to turn it off, but we're probably trying to turn it on to give it a little stimulation. We're going to watch a movie or something like Play that. Play a video game. Yeah. yeah. Get it some kind of something. Cruise the web. Before we fall to sleep. Wow. And, and repeat. repeat. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking, what can you do? No wonder why vacation is so nice. You're not dealing with that. Yeah. So what do you do in your regular life? How do you change your environment? Well, that is a super good question. We should probably drop it down to the action points a little bit, but... I want to say that 
in general, there are ways to step off the path. We've spoken about this in videos before and maybe in some of our podcasts. As a hiker, you probably know this. You can walk on the path, but if you take literally two or three steps off of the path, you're going to see different things and often you're going to discover or have a very different experience. That was one of our action points in a previous podcast yeah, episode. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. So remembering that the grooved paths that we walk on, we do not have to deviate all that far in order to experience something new. Let's use the example of a commuter who drives to work the same way each day. It might be as simple as going on Google Maps and seeing if there's an alternate route that maybe is the same or just a couple minutes slower as far as how long it's going to take you. And that different route might give you a slightly different environment. Or go at a different time. Go at a different time. Yeah. Well, and when I think of changing your environment, I immediately think getting more nature. That, of course. Less less trashy, junky stuff for our brains. Do you need to go and play Angry Birds at lunchtime? Or could you take a walk instead or take your lunch outside? Just some of those things that seem like we know them, but we know them and never act on them. So yes. what if we act on them? Yeah, that's such a great point. And of course, that's the big one we would push here is trying to find more nature time because nature is going to benefit us on so many levels. And when we go out to that park, we are just going to have different experiences. Changing our environment mm -hmm. is going to automatically, like going on vacation, give us more novelty and at least give us hints of how it would feel mm -hmm. to have that vacation attitude. But the real change, is the real mind. change is your mind. Yes. Yeah. And that's looking at how we perceive things, having curiosity, getting to know your brain more, yes. your mind, how it works, what it wants to look at when it just glosses over something that might be pretty spectacular. We basically have to retrain our minds. And that sounds oh, like work. Do I want to add that onto everything else I'm trying to do? Because I've got deadlines at work. Why would I add more work? Onto right, and my I have three work? kids, and they have homework, <laughs> and we have supper. And we, yeah. <laughs> but the thing with mindfulness, and anybody that's delved deeply into mindfulness, or even started going down that path, will be able to share this truth with you, is that when we embark down that path, time opens up. Time almost in a weird metaphysical sense, slows down. And dilates, for sure. <laughs> yes. But on a very practical sense, when I'm mindful, I'm not wasting a lot of mental or physical energy. And so I actually have more time once I start that work. a brilliant point. Because... Of oh, thank you. Do you mean I'm brilliant for pointing it out, or the point is brilliant? Look, I have a point to make here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 99% of the time, when we feel stressed as though we don't have enough time, whatever it might be, we're getting into that danger, danger, which happens a lot. It's really our mind's activity. It's all in our heads. Yes. Okay. I often have said, never rush that, which must be done quickly. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because if you're rushing, you're in your head. 
Yes. You know, if you slow down, you can actually see what's in front of you. This is a great thing to have in an emergency situation. You want a person around you who is calm, who is not rushing, because they're going to choose the, you know, the right course of action, <laughs> the right medication to give you, the right person to call for whatever needs to be done, and they're going to see clearly the elements. Whereas if you're rushing around in your head or you have all of that swirl of mind activity, that's where we spend so much of our time. If we're wondering, why can't I feel like I'm on vacation when I'm in my normal life? Look at what your brain does. I was speaking with a firefighter yesterday, actually, and he was explaining something much like this, how he will arrive at the scene. Often he's the first responder because he's just, he's there. And that the person will be running up and shouting, oh my gosh, this is blah, 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 okay. And his job, is to be super slow. In other words, he can hear their words, but he's assessing the situation. He's looking at it. He needs to know how many units he needs to call onto the scene and exactly what's going on. So people will often get upset with him that he doesn't have the equal uh, urgency. <laughs> Why does he just sit there standing there? If you're not there, outraged, so... you're not paying attention. Right. <laughs> be urgent like There might me. be a different side to this. <laughs> But he is moving faster mm -hmm. than the person that's urgent because the person that's urgent is just spinning they're, energy they're really, all over the really place. They're really expending a lot of energy that could be used to be focused and to get the job done. Yes. I completely agree. So we could take that training our brains into a real, regular, everyday life situation, the ordinary, schmordinary, boring life, and say, look, what is my brain doing right now? How is it responding? Why am I wasting so much energy thinking about that? Because I could be spending that energy being curious about something, having a vacation mindset. So, I don't know. I think it's we should go on to our action plan. Should we unleash? It's time for you to unleash your life. Ooh. Yeah, I need the, where's that little clapping, yeah, audience cheering kind of sound soundtracks effects. and stuff. Yeah. What? <laughs> Who listens to this? podcast without sound effects and clapping yeah well maybe called? this is where we we do the whole plug them for if you'd like to have sound effects and other fun <laughs> <laughs> send us no i think we're just lazy <laughs> what's action point number one action point number one is to explore explore and what do we mean by explore? Well, I think when you talked about that commuter going to work, that's an example of exploring. What we want to do is to get a hold of things that are novel to our brains. However, we don't need to go on vacation for that because as we've talked about, you can't step into the same river twice. If you're gonna to go to work one morning and go to work the next morning, those are two different mornings. There's lots of different things going on. So how can we begin to explore our environment? And maybe it does mean going to someplace new. We we have a swimming hole we love to go to, and we love it so much that we almost always just go to that swimming hole. But lately we've been saying, how will we ever discover any other swimming holes or other places if we don't drive around a little and explore other things? You know, I think sometimes about our work and how blessed we are that our work basically calls us to make mm. videos into different environments. But it's very easy still for us to just 
follow the same routes and get lazy and just say, I'm going to always film my video here and we're going to go to that same swimming hole. Like or we're going to hike at our favorite spot because we love the view and we haven't been there for a little while. Let's go there. But after we got back from Wyoming, we made a commitment as a family to get off of our path, to start exploring the environment that we live in more. And since then, we've just taken some different roads that don't really take us far out of the way. And it's been remarkable. Well, it's really fun. And maybe you don't have the same structure of life that we do, where you can just go off hiking to different places every weekend. So maybe you take your exploring to the coffee shop. Maybe you stop by the coffee shop every morning and get a cup of coffee. Don't get your favorite thing. You know, best yet, ask the person behind the counter, what's your favorite thing on the menu? And then order that. And try something new because exploring isn't just about going to a new physical location. It's about getting mental, trying something that you've never tried before. And I guarantee you, your brain's going to love it. Even if you don't actually like it as much as your usual, your brain will love trying something different. Our friend Julia has a favorite coffee shop that she goes to. And I was really impressed the other day because she had come back and she had ordered some food. And she had ordered a food that she doesn't really like. That's awesome. But it was the chef's special that day. And she wanted to just explore that. And she really enjoyed it. Even though it was a type of food. You mm. know, like, oh, I don't like chicken or I don't like fish or I don't like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And she tried that. I believe it was fish. And she tried it and... Yeah. Yeah. So then there's discoveries to be made. Plus, you're just keeping your brain thinking and wondering, huh, wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. Explore. Explore your world and remember you don't have to go that far off of your usual route. Number two, the artist's eye practice. Yeah. This is one that I do a lot and I can't remember if I heard about it somewhere or made it up myself, but. I mean, I'm sure many other people have thought of this, especially artists. And that is that you create a, it might be a marker. So you have an app on your phone that's going to go off randomly every 10 to 20 minutes. Or you just use your own mind and you say, I'm going to try to do this 20 times a day. And the basic concept is that I'm sitting here, I'm looking at something, let's say... Okay, well, do we? I guess we've revealed before we're doing this in our closet because it's acoustically good. A lot of people do it in their closet. Yeah, we've talked about the same thing. So I'm staring. <laughs> oh, <laughs> PG, PG, G. Oh, G. Keep it G. Okay. G rated. Okay, so I'm staring at some clothes here. And it's the same old clothes. I've seen these clothes a thousand times. I can just let my eyes go over them or I can see them as an artist would see them if they were going to draw them, paint them, sculpt them. And suddenly I see colors, I see texture and pattern and shadow and that scene becomes fascinating. When I do this with light coming in through a window or I do it with the trees in front of me on a path or I do it with the face of to use Liliana again then suddenly I see that quote normal thing completely differently I see it as color as pattern I see it in its 
I'm going to say beauty because there's beauty in almost everything. I think somebody said we find the Buddha, the Buddha in dog poop. Yeah. Who is that? Do you have your source? Uh, <laughs> anonymous. It was anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> no, actually, I love that. And for me to really spark me into this, I love what you said about if I was going to make a painting. And I think if I was going to paint this or take a photograph of this or otherwise represent what I'm looking at, what angle would I go from? Because so often we see, okay, there's the mouse to the computer. Yep, seen it a zillion times. In fact, it's a piece of technology. I'm not so fond of technology. I could almost say it's not worth my time. But what if I was in, let's say, college and I had to take a picture of this? Mm. What, what would I take a picture of to spark other people's curiosity to get someone else to say, wait, what? That's a computer mouse? That's gorgeous. Or that's so interesting. I had never even knew that was a part of it. Yeah. And I love that getting in deep. Wow. Beautiful. Okay. Number three. Okay. We do this on vacation. Yeah. But oddly, not as often in our everyday life. Well, some people do it to an extreme your dad was oh, awesome dad. at this. Well, and, yes. But yeah, so I can hear it in your voice. It's this great quality. We're just going to build it up here without saying what it is. Yeah, then people will say, but, oh, that's all? <laughs> but can become annoying sometimes. But I, I think instead of being annoyed by it, we should be inspired by people who do this because mm -hmm. it's powerful. There's a lot to learn and it really does take you sometimes out of your comfort zone and you learn a lot and life gives you unexpected things through it. And that is talking with strangers. Hey, isn't this the advice we get not to do when we're kids? Yeah, but we're grownups now, so it's different. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I just noticed when we had forest monks, how many of them had an anxiety about approaching a stranger. And anxiety is a strong word, but a justified word. Some of our people that came just, it was a genuine fear that they wanted to get over, but they recognized that they had been well-trained by our culture to try to just avoid that face-to-face -face experience. It can be scary because we feel like we can be judged. Mm -hmm. Someone might belittle us or reject us, or somebody might be offended that we've come up and invaded their space and mm -hmm. their time. And unfortunately, because that's kind of a cultural norm, it's become more and more true. Well, I think there's an art to it. And I don't necessarily think that you have to go all out and just go up to somebody that's just walking on the street and start talking to them. I'm saying if you're going to through the checkout line, talk to the cashier. Mm -hmm. Pick something that you think is genuinely interesting about them. Say, hey, I often say this, your earrings look beautiful on you or they really bring out the color of your eyes. And then they might say, oh, thanks. And I can say, hey, where'd you get them? And then you, you start a conversation like that. It goes down roads you never know. Then the next thing that happens is they're inviting you to come over and go on a plant walk with them because they have some rare, unusual plants there. And it, you just don't know what's going to happen. And sure, people are going to sometimes be grumpy and be like, eh, I'm just doing some things. But that doesn't matter. You're an adventurer. That's okay. You knew that going in, that somebody might not want to talk to you. No big deal. Talk to the next person. It's amazing how these humans around us, each one of which is a 
a tome, a book, filled with stories and experiences and ideas and perceptions and perspectives that we see so many of them around us. We have our own fears and we don't open those books. And here lead-in is a great one. You can make a genuine, you know, make it a real compliment. Find something to compliment about somebody and you'll often see whether there's an open door. And if there is, you can walk a few more steps into that and people will start to open their book and share a few pages with you. It's amazing. It's a hugely untapped reservoir yeah. of exploration, of vacation-like experience yeah. that's well, around us very often if we're in a populated area. And we talked about my dad and how much he was a talker. He really was. But he would more often than not come back from a conversation and say, Oh my gosh, Rebecca, do you know, I was at the store today and I happened to be talking to the person who was packing my bags and they said that, guess what? You know, their, their son went to school with you. Did you know so-and-so and this is what they're doing? And he would always get, <laughs> or someone who went to college with him that he never met in his class or we're more connected than we realize. And that's the thing. Going to talk with strangers isn't about you really. It's about the world. It's about all the stories that are going on. If you like stories, if you like adventures, each person is an adventure. Mm. And this is my side tip. This is sort of a little yeah. tangent, but it relates. If you can, when you're going to compliment someone or talk to them about something, try to make it about them. So instead of saying, hey, I love your shirt, you could say, hey, that shirt is a great color on you. Mm. You're complimenting them. And don't be afraid to say, you have a beautiful smile that your smile really picked me up today and and make it about them and it doesn't have to be the whole conversation doesn't have to be about them but it's different just think would you want someone to say hey i like your shirt or would you want them to say wow that shirt that looks awesome on you you just look so great <laughs> i don't know that's a great that's a great tip for entering into connection with people and i think boy that could probably be a whole episode fostering more connection with people yeah i think we need that it's just wired into us but yeah. i want to hear we want to hear from you about what you do to make your regular everyday life more vacation like and what you've learned when you go on vacation about your life what do you like about vacationing and what could you take into your quote normal life that would give you more of a sense of that you know what, becca I'm going to ask you to come on a vacation with me. Okay. Where are we going? Into our kitchen. Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Are you going to wear your Hawaii shirt still and play the ukulele? You like? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. You love amigos shirtless, baby. Hey, G, we're keeping oh, G, it G, G rated. remember? G rated. Oh, heaven's sake. <laughs> Thank you all so much for sharing this time with us. It's really fun. It's really special. We really, really value you, all of you who are listening. And gosh, you know, if you want to share with us, share. If not, share with someone else. That's just as good. Say to your wife tonight, hey, guess what? I wanted to talk to you about vacation and see what happens. <laughs> oh, thanks, my friends, and love to you all. Mm -hmm.